I'm Kyle Rice, awful test taker turned physical therapist and standardized test coach for over 5,000 physical therapists worldwide. It wasn't that long ago that I struggled with anxiety, lack of confidence, and the fear of failing the NPTE. Fast forward through the challenges, the 13 standardized test failures, and many lessons learned, and you'll see the life I have today, a life filled with love, financial freedom, and a dream job that allows me to change lives every single day. I created the NPTE Clinical Files podcast to give you simple, actionable strategies along with a step-by-step walkthrough of NPTE-based questions. All of this so that you can dominate your exam like I did and achieve your dream. So if you're a driven PT student who's looking to pass the NPTE and start creating a life you love, you're in the right place. Enjoy the show. For this week's clinical file, we have Gertie, and Gertie is being treated for chronic emphysema in the outpatient clinic. After a trial of sit-to-stand transfers, the patient is seen hyperventilating. Which of the following breathing techniques is most recommended? So we have A, purslet breathing, B, diaphragmatic breathing, C, active cycle of breathing, and D, postural drainage. All right, so let's go up to the top. Gertie is being treated for chronic emphysema in the outpatient clinic. Now, let's stop there, go back a little bit, make sure we're all on the same page with what is really in this first sentence. Gertie is being treated for chronic emphysema. Have you heard emphysema before? Like, there's actually an umbrella term that emphysema falls underneath. What is that umbrella term? Do you remember? It's COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Absolutely. Okay. And then there's another pathology that is really, you know, commonly associated with COPD, and that's typically chronic bronchitis. Now, here's the thing. What is emphysema? Now, emphysema is a condition typically caused by a patient who has been smoking quite a bit, right, over time. And it's really caused damage to this one particular structure inside of the lung, and that's called the alveoli. And so the smoking over time, it damages the alveoli. It causes the alveoli to start ballooning out and losing its elasticity. And then we know the alveoli are really important for one major function, and that's gas exchange, moving oxygen and carbon dioxide in and out. So here's the thing, emphysema, a condition that really impacts the alveoli. Now, that's not it. Emphysema is known as an obstructive condition, which means that emphysema oftentimes traps a lot of air on the inside of the lungs. And you may know this because patients who have emphysema will develop a barrel chest, this thoracic cavity that has an increased AP diameter, meaning that we just see a bigger chest size. And then the thoracic cavity also becomes very hypomobile. That is very consistent with emphysema. So what do you need to remember about this? Emphysema has a problem with the alveoli. They lose their elasticity. They have poor gas exchange. But also, there could be a collapse of the terminal bronchioles trapping a lot of air on the inside. Air trapping's not a good thing, right? And hence the word obstructive lung condition. That's what you need to know here. So Gertie is being treated for chronic emphysema in the outpatient clinic. Now it says after a trial of sit-to-stand transfers, the patient is seen hyperventilating. 
That makes a lot of sense to me. You know, if I got this patient in the clinic and they're, you know, going up and down and doing these transfers, it's likely that they will start hyperventilating because why? They're trapping a lot of air. They're not getting very good gas exchange. You know, they get tired a lot quicker. So it makes a lot more sense here seeing this. Okay, and so let's go down to that final sentence, the question stem. It says, which of the following breathing techniques is most recommended? For those of you on the podcast right now, let me go through the answer choices. We've got A, purslip breathing, B, diaphragmatic breathing, C, active cycle of breathing, and D is postural drainage. So before we start knocking these answer choices down, we got to go back. What is this question really asking us? saying, hey, we got a patient with chronic emphysema. They're seen hyperventilating when they're doing their activities or exercises and, you know, during therapy. How can we help this patient? What can we provide to them in order to help them with this problem? So let's go down to our first one. It says A, purslip breathing. If you don't know what purslip breathing is, we can do it right now. I don't know if you're on treadmill in the car about to go into your clinic rotation. Have a good day, by the way. But let's go through it together, right? You take a breath in through your nose, or you're breathing through your nose, keeping your mouth closed, all right? And you breathe in for a couple seconds. And then what you're going to do is you're gonna act like you're going to whistle, all right? So you're gonna formulate your lips into what they call a pursed lip position, or a position in which it looks like you're about to whistle, right? And what you're going to do is slowly blow the air out through that small space between your lips. Now, you don't want to force the air out. That's not purslip breathing, all right? You don't force the air out. You're breathing out slowly, typically from four to six seconds. That's purslip breathing. Now, what is the great thing about this technique? First of all, it's used for shortness of breath. It's used for patients who have, you know, hyperventilation or tachypnea, which kind of fits here, right? One of the things purslip breathing is really good at doing is increasing the pressure within the airways. Now, that's a great thing. And the reason why is because it actually keeps the walls within the lungs open, allowing air to pass out. So why would I do purslip breathing? You do purslip breathing for typically a patient with obstructive lung conditions, a patient who has air trapping, a patient who has walls within their lungs, their terminal bronchioles or the bronchioles where the walls have collapsed. And we want to keep those walls open to allow all the air or as much air to get back out. That's purslip breathing all day long. I love this answer choice for this patient. It's used for chronic emphysema, which is great. It's used for a patient who's hyperventilating or has shortness of breath. It's a great technique for a patient with an obstructive lung condition. I'm going to go ahead and put a check mark next to that one. Looks good for now. Let's go down to B. All right. B says diaphragmatic breathing, a very common one that shows up. You may know this from class. I remember doing this, you know, we had a lab and everything and you know, you were laying in more of like a hook lying position on the lab table, right? You put one hand over your chest, one hand over the abdomen. And your goal was to first do more of like a sniffing type of maneuver, like, you know, sniff, because that activates your diaphragm when you sniff. But the overall goal of diaphragmatic breathing is to breathe in through your nose and try to keep your chest wall very still. 
and breathe into your abdomen. You really want the hand that's on your abdomen to start going up towards the ceiling if you're in the hook line position, right? If you're on your back, you really wanna breathe into that abdomen. Well, that's diaphragmatic breathing. It's using the diaphragm to do the primary work of breathing, all right? Primary work of inhaling. So here's the thing. Why do we use diaphragmatic breathing? What's the point? What's the purpose? I'll say in a lot of cases, especially for the MPTE, you got to know this, that diaphragmatic breathing is, yeah, it's for shortness of breath. Yep, it can be for hyperventilation or someone who is having tachypnea. Yeah, it can be used for all of that. But here's the thing. It's typically used for someone who has more of a restrictive lung condition, not obstructive. Someone who has maybe pulmonary fibrosis, maybe pneumonia, some type of restrictive lung condition where the person's having difficulty inhaling or inspiring more than expiring or exhaling, all right? So here's the thing. A and B are close because they both can be used for a patient with dyspnea. They both could be used for a patient who's hyperventilating. But purse-lip breathing is typically for a person with obstructive lung conditions like GERDI. Diaphragmatic breathing is particular for patients when they have restrictive lung conditions, maybe like a pulmonary fibrosis or pneumonia. Those are just two examples. So which one do I like more, A or B? I like A, purse-lip breathing right now. So I'm gonna put an X next to B, let's look at C. C says active cycle of breathing. This is one that always used to give me the hardest time, y'all. Sometimes you may see it being denoted ACBT, but it's active cycle of breathing technique, right? And so what this really is, is a maneuver. It's a series of different things that you do. And the purpose of active cycle of breathing is to actually provide secretion clearance or, or mobilization and get your secretions like mucus and all that, get that moving so you can start to cough that up. So active cycle of breathing is really there to help mobilize secretions and get to the point where you're able to cough that up, cough that sputum and all that stuff up, all right? So that's ACBT. The other thing that's great for is like thoracic expansion, thoracic mobility. And so really it's a series of techniques that you're using to mobilize secretions and improve thoracic mobility. And so what you typically start off with is the patient and they are going to be doing a diaphragmatic breathing followed by doing more of a deep inhalation thoracic expansion activity and then back to diaphragmatic breathing again and then back again to more of a thoracic expansion deep inhalation. And so you're really going back and forth like that. Again, what is the goal of active cycle of breathing? Secretion clearance or really secretion mobilization. Let me be specific. It's really secretion mobilization. We're trying to bring those secretions from the lower parts of our lungs up to where we can now cough them up. And then ACBT is also used for thoracic expansion, all right? So is that what we're trying to do here? I see some of y'all are selecting this answer. You liked it. But see, I don't like active cycle of breathing for GERDI because chronic emphysema a lot of times doesn't have a lot of secretions. Now, if we said bronchitis, I would say, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of secretions and mucus and all that. But emphysema doesn't really have that much secretions. And nowhere in this question does it say 
or make us believe that the patient is having an issue with secretions. So I don't think C is the best answer here. It's not really helping the situation. So I'll go ahead and put an X next to C. Let's look at D. Let's finish this up. D says postural drainage. Come on now. We just got done with ACBT. Let's talk about this postural drainage. What do we primarily use it for? We use it to drain secretions, right? Postural drainage, you know the different positions. You learn this in cardiopalm class. You may have done it if you had more of like a tilt table. You're in a Trendelenburg position, heads down, and you can help drain some of the lower parts of your lungs. You can roll the patient over and drain some. Okay, postural drainage is there for secretion mobilization to help us get to the point where the patient's able to cough up secretions. That's postural drainage. Again, it kind of goes back to that world of secretions, but we just said emphysema doesn't really have, now it can have secretions, but it's not known for having that. Again, that's more in the bronchitis area. So here's the thing. The question doesn't say anything about secretions. The question doesn't say anything about mucus. It doesn't say or indicate anything about how we need to treat the patient for that. And so D, is it necessary? No, not in this question. So I'm going to go ahead and put a nice X next to D. I'm not selecting that answer. That's leaving us with our best answer today of purslet breathing, A. Congratulations to those of you who got this one correct. I know I went deep in there on this one. I really wanted to take a look at a lot of these terms, make sure that we're all on the same page. There's quite a few of us who struggle with cardiopalm, all right? Your boy's one of them. Cardiopalm always used to give me a hard time, and it was just because these terms and these words and all these things don't really gel well with me. Like, it, it's hard for me to retain it, especially active cycle of breathing. Always struggle with that. <laughs> but... That is the real reason why I wanted to make sure that we're all on the same page with this. Now, moving forward for you, if you're noticing on practice exams and whatnot on your MPTE, your cardiopulmonary score is low. Let me tell you, one of the major areas that you got to make sure you have covered is the primary cardiopulmonary pathologies. You got to know these things backwards and forwards. What's their pathophysiology? What are their primary signs and symptoms? What are their primary impairments that a physical therapist treats? You got to know that stuff, okay? But I'm not done yet. The other piece that you have to really understand, and Ellen Hillegas, I really love how you broke it up in your book. You have nice charts that really go over all these interventions. I suggest that if you're listening to me right now, you know, one of the things that you can go look at is Ellen Hillegas's textbook, The Cardiopulmonary. She breaks up a lot of these interventions, talks to you about why they're used, what they're for, and then that allows you to pick, okay, personal breathing is typically used for this reason typically used to solve this problem. And then you have a better understanding for the actual MPTE. So Ellen Hillegas, Dr. Hillegas, you know, I want to give you credit and props for that text. Like I said, it's absolutely phenomenal. For the rest of you, listen, I hope that you got a lot of value out of this. If you're looking to take yourself to the next level, I got a free Facebook group, right? Every Monday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, a lot of times six o'clock, I'm in there. All right. I'm like cranking, helping students identify their issues, helping them to build a study plan structure, but most of all, helping them to raise their freaking MPTE score. Why? 
because our goal is to go into that MBTE and absolutely dominate it. So if you're a PT student or grad and you are taking the MPTE this year and you're looking to be surrounded by a PT positive atmosphere with a bunch of people that are really trying to go towards dominating the MPTE, you need to get into this private Facebook group. All right. How do you get there? www.mptegroup.com. Let me say that again, www.mptegroup.com. Go ahead, lock it in right now into your phone. I'll let you in to the group and then we'll take you to the next level, all right? And for those of you who haven't gotten my free cheat sheets that are out there, you can check those out by going to www.nptecheatsheets.com and you can get it. Hi, this is Kyle, and thanks for downloading the podcast. I always enjoy spending this time with you, and I hope that you leave today feeling motivated and with a better understanding. Make sure to subscribe to get new mock NPTE questions each week. I deeply appreciate your support. It helps keep this mission going. And as I always say, keep learning, stay committed. I'll see you next time.